Welcome to the second season of the Inclusive Food Systems podcast by Belong. This season explores the role played by indigenous communities in building food security and climate resilience. In India, indigenous or tribal people are amongst the most nutritionally deprived social groups. At the same time, indigenous knowledge systems and food cultivation practices are adapted to local environment conditions and are diverse and therefore more climate resilient. How do we then incorporate this traditional knowledge into mainstream agriculture and nutrition programs while foregrounding the health and well-being of indigenous peoples? I'm your host Amia and in this season we'll dive into pastoralism, fishing and farming to uncover the ways in which indigenous peoples hold the key to a sustainable and food secure future. Welcome to the third episode in season 2 of Inclusive Food Systems. Our guest today is Vivekanandan from Seva in Tamil Nadu and we will be discussing the importance of working with indigenous pastoralist groups to preserve local breeds and build climate resilience. Vivekanandan is the founder of Seva or Sustainable Agriculture and Environmental Voluntary Action, an organization founded in 1992 with a focus on finding and researching rural people's traditional knowledge systems and innovations. While emphasizing on the preservation of indigenous agricultural practices, Vivekanandan and Seva broadly divide their work into two areas. Firstly, activities towards conservation of local livestock breeds, and secondly, documentation and dissemination of indigenous knowledge and grassroots innovations. In today's episode, Vivekanandan walks us through his decades of work at Seva, initiatives such as the Breed Savior Awards, and the socio-cultural and economic implications of livestock rearing on indigenous pastoralist groups. Thank you for joining us today sir to talk about livestock rearing indigenous pastoralist communities and sustainability can you start by telling us about your journey and the inspiration behind seva can you elaborate on some of the key focus areas of the organization which works on empowering marginalized communities while also protecting agrobiodiversity and the environment we started seva ngo sustainable agriculture environmental voluntary action and we registered this ngo in the 1992 we have been documenting traditional knowledge of farmers pastoralists or indigenous communities in rural areas to document their knowledge to document their tradition to document the way of agriculture or animal husbandry they have been practicing so we got very rich source of information we come across by documenting their knowledge and we have compiled all these practices and we started giving training and we are revitalizing or reintroducing through youth through women group members or through farmers and it has been giving good results and slowly we started uh, empowering these farmers especially the livestock keepers using their the tradition of ethno veterinary practices that is the first again the breed they have been conserving so such practices so we again second the, the next step that we have been we started doing this so while documenting knowledge we also come across it's a very valuable scope for good commercialization and also we have to recognize such people they have been treating for example a laborer who has been milking the animals he get daily wages he treats he has been treating 
mastitis a disease in dairy animals very successfully even the doctors know certain so chronic cases they could not do good uh, solution but he come out with a good uh, preparations using locally available materials and it was able to cure so it cost very less than 50 rupees or less than 20 rupees or like that it's very simple so what we have documented and we did an association with the national innovation foundation we recognized and he got the national award and after that he has been patented his knowledge he has been commercialized and he gets some royalty so such practices you know we come across which are all very simple relevant and a green practice and anybody can practice at the same time we have been empowering the local healers with their knowledge and again another farm he come out with a good solution to prevent this bullet tongue disease in sheep he has been experimenting with the many preparations and he found that local using the aloe vera how to treat this blue tongue disease it is very simple at the same time it's very effective so such knowledge we found it is very good feedback from our farmers and he also got patented with the government this national innovation foundation so that way one side we are disseminating the traditional practice and revitalizing and to see that no that dairying our animal husbandry become sustainable or this viable and reducing the cost of this no animal maintenance all these things other side no we have been recognized their knowledge through ipr and also this other tools no we have been using and it is very effective so with this we see that no once they are getting empowered at the same time their knowledge also disseminated through our training program livestock rearing provides a relatively stable year round source of income what is the significance of the livestock sector in india in terms of income and food security and even with subsidiary products like animal wastes which contribute to manure see agriculture is mainly depend upon monsoon it's a gambling of monsoon what you say in dry lands sometimes no crop failure or sometimes there is a disease outbreak so we can't ensure always no good crop income from agriculture at the same time animal husbandry is giving a steady income even sometimes drought also there with livestock rearing like goat or sheep to giving at least uh, income at least a moderate income even though it's not a big income like that and also for example in the dry land the goat rearing is very with the low investment any poor people can do start rearing goats it is giving good income it is adding to the sustainable livelihood income and also using manure that livestock urine many things you know it lead to this organic farming and again it is a value added products with more rates for that crops all this is contributed by the livestock keeping can you tell us about the different pastoralist communities of india such as the bakkarwal of kashmir or the toda or kurumbar of tamil nadu and drawing from your experiences interacting with some of these communities can you elaborate on how their tribal identity determines their socio economic status in the country see the traditional pastoral is spread over all over the country so the traditional pastoral communities by their lifestyle by their rearing no but what we call no they are focused with animal culture and also they are migratory and also they face many challenges and their lifestyle so it all combined together to the crisis might be climate crisis or environmental crisis or local difficulties and with this and all this they evolved actually their breeds so if you see with their all the difficulties with their limitations or constraints every traditional community especially the pastoralists or tribals they have been keeping a particular local breed for example the toda buffalo in uti it is in high more than some 5000 feet 
are more than 3,000, in some areas, no, 2,000 meters from the mean sea level. They have been rearing their animals. And uh, see, for example, we take because in Rajasthan, they rear only camels. Because they have been told by Lord Shiva to look after only camels because they have been created by Parvati and also later they are telling the stories of how Lord Shiva and Parvati, they created that camels and from the sweatings of that Lord Shiva, their community has been created. So they are telling they have to only look after the camel culture, not for sheep or goat or like that. So such a strong this attachment with their profession of camel riding, it still it is alive and they are following many customs and rituals to rear this camel as a sacred duty, they feel like that. Likewise, if you take a Toda tribals, they are rearing the Toda buffalo. And in their all day-to-day rituals or in their bujas or temple, you know, the Toda buffalo milk, it is very known for their performing their all the rituals, whether it's naming ceremony for their babies or death ceremony, they see that you know, the buffalo is also present. So such attachment with the customs or rituals, it plays an important role in keeping the breeders up. So likewise, this one Gujars, you know, there are pastoral communities in the Kand area, in the Rajaji National Park, they recently declared. And still, they are keeping that the mobile pastoralism alive. During summer, they travel to the top of that, up to Bhatirinath or Kedarnath, that side or Uttarkasi or Rudraprayag area. During winter, they come down. So still, for three months or six months, no, they will move in that elevation of the Himalayas. But because of government nowadays, no, with the forest regulations, this thing, they still face some, of course, difficulties in keeping their this mobile pastoralism alive, but still they are keeping their buffalo, this called Gojri buffalo, they breed, they are maintaining, and they have their own sustainable management of natural resources. They know the which fodder tree, when to cut, how to prune, or how to use the herbal medicine for animals. So such a knowledge. So we have been documenting and we are recognizing to see that, you know, the tradition become alive. At the same time, you know, it also contributes to their economy. So all over India, such uh, tribes are the pastoral communities. They are keeping a particular breed alive. And also they have their own system of system, which contributes to their economy. And also we see that you know, it should be sustainable. So consideration of ecosystem include their local tribals, their knowledge, so surrounding environment all together. But nowadays, government policy, you know, in order to keep certain wild animals, they are keeping their biodiversity definition only to restricting only with the wild animals. And they are excluding these local people. So we see that you now the holistic method of conservation, it includes the local knowledge system, the local breeds, agroecosystem, and their economy. So at the same time, you no, know, it's about symbiotic and also coexistence so that we promote. So that is our idea. I actually want to ask you more about these local livestock breeds. India is home to a large number of local breeds that have been nurtured by pastoralist communities like you were pointing out. And a large part of the work at Seva has focused on conserving these local breeds. How is this work carried out through initiatives such as the Breed Savior Awards? In India, we have a large number of local livestock breeds. These breeds are mainly noticed with the pastoral communities. Say about 90% of that local breeds in India, it lies with the traditional pastoral communities who are keeping their practicing mobile pastoralism or semi-nomadic the way they have been keeping, especially the communities like this Gujars, Yadavas, this Kurumbas, Konars, Lingayats, such people, the traditional communities, they are keeping the traditional breeds. 
So, as an NGO, because we have been based at Madurai, Tamil Nadu, but we network with many NGOs in other states and also with wherever possible, no, with government institutions, like university, agriculture universities, and also this ICR institute called National Bureau of Animal Genetic Resources. So, such a type of informal network we have been building up from the year 2008 onwards. And we started giving the award to the pastoralist communities or the traditional farmers keeping that local bridge from 2009 onwards till 2020. So for the past 11 years, we have been giving them. We come across, you know, because the traditional varieties, those who conserve farmers, conserving traditional crop varieties, the genome award has been given by government, we come across. So such parallel efforts, government has not taken. So as an NGO with our volunteers network, we want to recognize those communities keeping their local breeds. So then that breeds are award, that concept, no, it has come out. And there is a network of NGOs called Life Network and also the Honeybee Network. Many network NGOs and volunteers, we all joined together. And as an NGO, we have taken that initiative and uniting all these people to identify in their own area, who are the farmers or the local communities or the tribals keeping the local breeds. So we developed a pro and we made a meeting with the ICR scientists also. They also accepted the idea, concept, and they also contributed. We come out with a, a final format for documentation. So that is our initial success. Then after that, everybody, the scientists especially, they contributed their time to go and visit that area and their knowledge, their breeds they're keeping, their description of that breed. It's a registered breed or not a registered breed. So all the details, you know, with photographs, video, we got it. So every year we have been giving awards 20 people who have been keeping that local breeds at national level. So that was the breeds year award and so far we have completed 11 rounds. So more than 200 people we have recognized at all over India. And some of the communities who have been keeping that rare breeds, but not at registered, we started registering that breed with the help of NBA, JRA and also NGOs. So such things we have taken care of and we have three breeds, you know, after giving award, we found out these breeds we have not registered and we started registering that new breeds also, which is our initiative. Even though it's a very small number, but as an initiative, you know, we see that after recognizing that breed, the people also very happy and their population also increased, their economic status also slowly improving and it, that breed got wide recognition and people started purchasing that breed after recognition. So many things have been happening. We see that that awareness has been generated at national level with our grassroots action. Sir, I want to ask, why is conserving local breeds important for sustainability? And how do you know if a local breed is sustainable or not? See, the local breeds, it has been thriving for many centuries. Already, it is able to thrive well, sustain well in that situation or environment or where many factors are operating, say high temperature or high altitude or very harsh drought conditions or many things. So under these such limitations, such a breed is still thriving, which is giving at the same time some function also. So it plays a role in their socioeconomic aspects or in their culture. For example, it's a good drought breed. Drought breeds for transport purposes, no? they have been using for the animals in the hilly terrain. So such a breeds is more relevant are flowing in that farmer's field rather than a tractor, it's very difficult to access such elevated area or hilly terrain, that undulating. So wherever such breeds are operating, it is giving some income. At the same time, they're uh, maintaining that such breed is very less costly compared with the exotic breeds. 
So we revitalize and see that now the breed can also be improved to and so that their economic level also improve. That is our approach. Any conversation on pastoralist communities has to involve a discussion on access to commons. So pastoralists depend on commons, whether that's land, forest, pastures, or tanks, to rear their cattle. Is rearing livestock on commons a more sustainable method? And with India's commons disappearing as they're allocated for development projects or for commercial agriculture, what is the threat that this poses to pastoralist communities? Actually, pastoral communities, they depend upon commons. They don't have any land. They have to depend upon the common grazing land, including forest. So they have been practicing a system during the monsoon time. They will sow the crops everywhere, almost all the plain lands in the entire Deccan from the southern Deccan area to the northern Gangetic plant. So everywhere no, there will be crop. So there is very difficult to grass. So at that time, these people, they will depend upon mostly on commons, especially forest areas. They will take the animals to the forest and they will stay there for a few months and return once the crop is harvested. Maybe in the month of January or February in Tamil Nadu, it little varies in North India. When the crop is cut, you know, harvested, then the agriculture field will be utilized for grazing. So this is a traditional system or what we call rotation system of their lifestyle while keeping that animals grazing in the common lands. But once the forest department, they started this giant forest management or improving the forest using some bilateral support with the donor agencies. They wanted started planting trees and telling that the pastoralists, you please keep away your animals, we are planting trees. Then they told, you know, after five years again, we'll open. But once they closed the forest, no, it didn't open at all. So these people, they have a lot of problems because their traditional lifestyle, it has been, they're facing some difficulties to continue this type of rotation or this, no? changing that grazing system from plains to forest and forest to plain areas. So then we have been telling this, uh, all the pastoralists, no? we made a network from Rajasthan to Tamil Nadu, Karnataka and everywhere where they have a protected area or where they're telling it's a squirrel sanctuary, for example, in Stivulithur. There the Malaymadu population is very high and they have to depend upon the hill areas from the British period onwards. But after declaring that forest area into the sanctuary, they have been not allowed to grass. Like a Skumbalgar sanctuary in Rajasthan, the camel has pastoralists they have been not allowing. And Rajaji National Park where one Gujaris have been replaced. So such things we have taken a very strong um, view and it represented to Prime Minister's office and many ministers and we have been doing lobby. So at that time there was a parliamentary bill was there and this tribal bill. They also included uh, the pastoral communities depending upon this forest also. Then the Forest Rights Act 2006 has been enacted. So there they include that our uh, this pastoralists also that have been depending upon the forest in the non-tribal category or sometimes this tribal category. They included that their rights for grazing the forest. So that was a big relief for us because of our what we have been doing, good lobbying, and it has come out. Now the act says those pastoral committees who have been grazing or who have been staying in the forest for more than three generations, they can continue graze or continue access to forest. So such was a good service, you know, in that in some section, you know, they have provided in that act. But unfortunately, we could not implement that forest right side. Still, the guidelines are not proper 
and forest department is interpreting in a different way still we have been struggling and we have been coordinating with the tribal ministry and to see that there are the rights of the pastoral communities for grazing in the forest as per the act should be achieved otherwise these people see they are all symbiotic and coexistence with the wild animals and also forest fire also it become prevented if on pastoral communities they are along with that animals graze in the forest so without understanding all the ecological consequences they simply tell on no, no, a this is the forest area please exclude so that is the stand they are taking in your opinion what are some interventions that can be carried out at the state level and the community level to protect and also improve the quality of commons because for livestock rearing communities commons need to have a fodder producing capability so how do we improve the quality of commons as well actually there was a global level such issues have come across in africa even south america and everywhere the common lands slowly degraded or what they call range land in other countries so we have started lobbying and it, uh, yeah, we are able to do to see that no yeah, resolution is passed and we got our friend that our mongolian government they accepted and they have come out with that resolution to see that no the pasture land grassland or range land should be conserved and internet should be declared by the united nations so that was the approach and for the past two years no we have been doing that lobbying and we got support from south asia level from bhutan india and afghanistan and with other countries they also lobbied and we got more than 50 countries they accepted and ultimately no the united nations general assembly last september 2021 they passed the prior that the pro nominated that year of 2026 for the international year for rangeland and pastoralists 2026 for international year of rangeland and pastoralists in proclaimed and now with this momentum we are also now lobbying with our local government especially our national government and also at the, that state level again we are identifying such common lands and making awareness and to see that you no know, wherever common lands are no, should not be diverted for other purpose we have to discuss with the local communities it should not be encroached so such things you no know, slowly we are started doing and during coming 2026 since uh, united nations is declaring the international year of rangeland pastoralists it will give a boost for our work and definitely we will also see that wherever the common lands it become retrieved or their traditional rights to that access to that tank area or their water drinking water purpose or for grazing purpose this are all again we are able to recover or we can revitalize and to see that their lifestyle or their depending upon the commons it sustain their livelihoods and also their livestock keeping we've just discussed access to commons as a challenge that many pastoralists face However another challenge is access to knowledge sharing networks and communities this is something that i want to especially ask you because seva has done a lot of work in this field as well with networks like the honeybee network pastoralist communities are very remote and are not well connected to knowledge distribution systems as a result their breeds their animal rearing practices and needs and requirements are not well known So how can we build communities or networks of such indigenous farmers and breeders to exchange knowledge to exchange best practices and also to provide a support system for these vulnerable groups the pastoralists are in remote areas 
or they have been moving so they don't have access to that general system of services provided by animal spirit department say veterinary services which is available for stall fed animals but comparatively with this mobile livestock keepers they don't have much access and also they have nowadays no they are also losing their traditional knowledge also they again they depend upon the modern medicine they themselves you know they inject using these antibiotics or many are indiscriminately they sometimes you know use medicine it also lead to many unwanted outcome which affect their animals their cost of maintenance everything even the residual effect to the environment everything by seeing that we have a good practices we have a traditional veterinary veterinary practice or herbal medicine for animals so such things traditional knowledge we are again we are reinforcing to see that they become get adapted because of nowadays no because of whatsapp has come after this corona and now the communication one side if you see they are very closer but again we depend upon the local ngos to network with them to closely work with them to see that no they are trained in the traditional knowledge so that their animal keeping are the best practices lead to sustainable natural livestock farming it will lead this green practices are eco friendly we want to see that local breeds and that local knowledge using the green practices will lead to a sustainable income for them then after that again with a little value addition of their animal products and direct selling and everything you know it will add to their income so we want to network with pastoral communities using that local ngos and sometimes with the whatsapp group or many direct access if wherever possible with online services also we want to see we can send messages on this best practices through this communication system as final thoughts so how do you envision the future of the livestock sector in india and do you see indigenous communities and their sustainable practices gaining widespread recognition yeah actually we see that now a local level at grassroots level at village level a cadre should be there what we call pasu sekis in north india and what we call this community livestock volunteers so the active women group members are active youngsters no we want to see that no they are equipping with the traditional knowledge it's very difficult to convince and train every farmers but that local cadre if they spread this such sustainable practices or green practices or herbal medicine so one side they are disseminating that knowledge other side they are also able to earn some income also say monthly minimum 3000 rupees or 2000 rupees per month if they earn one youth in a village or a pasu sakhi or it's a community livestock volunteer a woman especially so while spreading they also getting a small income so such things we have, we have already started working in this we are strengthening this pasu sakhis and we are associating with pasu sakhis in training program even in other state also with the nrlm national rural livelihood mission like that also we are able to collaborate and with the government this women development corporation at state level that also we are collaborating with them and see that no the pasu sekis are that village level cadre they are activated and equipped with the traditional practices are the best practices at the same time they also earn income so all this lead to this natural livestock farming system